can be seated this morning. But don't be, don't, don't be seated as normal, okay? Because this is not a normal Sunday. Is that all right? Bear with me as I have a little cup of warm water. Dealing with a little bit of a scratchy throat. That's all right, right? Take your Bibles out if you have them with you today. Uh, if you don't, you should. Uh, it might be on your phone or it might be one of these. But we need to be a people of the word. There's no amens. That's a good place for an amen. We need to be a people of the word. And uh, hear what it says to us. So this morning uh, what I shared. I'll say again. Uh, I'm very open to where. The Lord is leading today. Uh, and I'm, go I'm just going with that. Alright. Last week. Um. Pastor Keith spoke a great message, and, uh, and I know we have the kids in here, it's Kids Sunday, and we can understand and be patient with all that. If you have kids and you're more comfortable going to the quiet room where you can see out and we can't hear in, that's fine too, but um, it's Family Sunday, so we do this every once in a while. Uh, but we have, uh, I believe the Lord has got a, a strong word for us today, and I want us to be open to hearing it and to receiving it and to do the best we can without distractions to get that, all right? Are you ready? So, uh, Pastor Keith, uh, Kevin Wood two weeks ago wrapped up the message on the gifts. He, met, he wrapped it up with the gift of teaching, talked more about how those gift, gifts operate and how they work and function within the church. And that's all good and well, but I have this, this nagging fear inside of my gut that says we, we continue to be people that hear and hear and hear. And we don't do anything about it. So our faith becomes very much based upon theory instead of reality. And I think there's a lot of Christians in the church today that until you test the claims of Jesus. In Luke, in Luke chapter 14 when, when Keith preached whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The only way you know you or I will know if his claims are true is if we put them to the test. So I want to really challenge you to put to the test the word of God that you're hearing, but to also uh, make sure you're getting into the word because if you're only getting fed once a week, then that's a problem, right? Uh, as, as Keith brought up an example of that, and the, I think it was Andrew that was going to eat once a week and Sean that was going to be able to have a meal every day, whatever he wanted. Uh, the word of God feeds us. But I want to challenge us this morning with something as I, I alluded to earlier when I was speaking. God's been kind of wrecking me inside and part of it was the journey of, of going and serving in the Bahamas and seeing what's going on in the Bahamas and seeing the, the horrific atrocities and the tragedy that people are going through. But I also realized, you know, just um, talking with my wife over some of this, you know, when you see those visuals and those pictures of how bad things were, some of you have that in your life right now of emotional stuff and baggage and mess and heartbreak. Maybe it's physical issues you're going through. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's addiction. Whatever it is, those, those messes, we all go through tragedy in life. In fact, Jesus tells us that in this life, we should expect that. In this world, you will have trouble. But we have kind of painted this false picture in the American church today that says, come to Jesus and we'll make it as comfortable as we can for you to come to Jesus. 
and we'll have our, you know, our nice, neat, tidy package service in a nice little tight with a bow so it's not too uncomfortable for you and come to Jesus just as you are and everything will be just fine. Well, that's just not the way it is. Jesus says, come to me and give it all up and forsake it all and then you can be a follower of me. And so this has been going through and going through and not unfamiliar passages of scripture with you this morning, but I'm going to read something very familiar. Um, found in Luke chapter 14, and I, I think that Keith alluded to this or preached on some of it last week, leaving all to follow Christ. Now, Luke chapter 14, look in your Bible, verse 25. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me, and does not hate his father and his mother and his wife and his children and his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Well, certainly they don't mean hate, you know, but, and we, we, we certainly, that makes us uncomfortable. We shouldn't hate anything. And, and we're going to unpack that over the coming weeks. What does it mean to really despise these other things to be able to put Jesus first? Things and or people. If you're not willing to take what's nearest and dearest to you and kiss it goodbye, plain and simple, you can't be my disciple. We don't like that. And I confess to you as a pastor here in America for many years that I don't like to preach that because it's uncomfortable for you and I know that you might leave and you might be upset with me and you might say, I'm not going to that church. I can go to another church where they're nicer. Right? Some of you are already checking out. Stay with me. Stay with me. I believe God's taking us to a deeper place, church. I really do. And it scares the mess out of me. I'm scared. <laughs> because it's not, what we've, it's not what has been ingrained in us in our culture for decades and decades and decades. But there's something wrong with the American church. Because today by the thousands people will go home, including me. I'll do this. And I'll sit in front of my big screen fancy TV and I'll watch football and I get all excited about it. People will scream and cheer and, you know, raise cane for their team for hours today. But we'll get disgruntled and disenfranchised and frustrated if we have to be in church an hour and 16 minutes. Instead of an hour and 15. If we stay an hour and a half, which you probably will today, so just buckle up and get ready. Um, then, oh man, I'm going to go to another church where they can be done in a little bit better time because I don't have time for this. And I've bought into that with you to say, oh, let's make it as easy and as convenient and as comfortable as we can to follow Jesus and to get people to come to church. That's wrong. We've missed the mark somewhere. We've missed it. And I've bought into it as a, as a pastor here and I confess to you of that. And I, I, I repent of that before God and before you. It's not right. Because Jesus says just the opposite. If you're not willing to lay aside all your... But we are so very, very comfortable in our chairs today, in our lives today. As I said earlier, gave you some statistics and I'm gonna make sure I verify my statistics. I don't wanna be misquoted, but I'll share them again next week. Uh, but I'm, I'm almost 99.99% sure if you make $50,000 or more combined income, you are more wealthy than 99% of the world's population. I believe it's about 80% of 10,000. Anyway, the point is we're very rich. We're very spoiled. We have been lulled to sleep and apathetic because we're so comfortable here in the American church. Let's get back into the word. And verse 27 of, of Luke chapter 14. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost? Whether he has enough to finish it. At least after he's laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. 
Or what king is going to make war against another king and does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for conditions of peace. <clears throat> Excuse me. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake, what's that next three letter word? Thank you. I wasn't sure if my Bible was correct there. I thought maybe a typo. It says all, right? Okay, I was confirming. So whoever does not forsake that he has cannot be my disciple. I am materialistic. Just like you're materialistic. Well, no, I don't love my... Listen, we are... In America, all of us are, are pretty comfortable and we've become very materialistic. And that's... That's in the way of forsaking all to follow Jesus. I'm not saying all things are bad. But the problem is those things become idols to us. And they become crutches. And they become sources of comfort and convenience that block us forsake, from forsaking all to follow Jesus. And God's taking us somewhere deeper. And some of you are not going to want to go. Some of you are going to want to leave. Some of you are going to say, no, it's too, it's too much. What that pastor wants or he's asking, or, hey, I can go someplace else where it won't be so hard. I'm just going to preach the gospel the way it is and, and um, I'm, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will bring conviction to your heart and sh transformation to our lives and to this church because I want to be a part of a community that is really fully living out the great commandment, the great commission, and is abandoning everything for the sake of the call. And enjoying the blessing and the favor of God along the way. But that doesn't necessarily mean comfort. We like to be comfortable, don't we? Here's the biblical truth of... Uh, I think that God's calling... Me as your pastor to lead you on a journey. Starting somewhere around the first Sunday of November. And we're going to be preparing. So today I was supposed to talk all about small groups. And, and getting you engaged in that. And prepared for that. And ready for that. And I'm going to try to tie that all in. Because that is a critical part of this journey. You can't do it on your own. Simply put you cannot and are not supposed to. We're not designed to do it on your own. Well my, me and my husband. We're, we're both following Jesus. The bottom line is the Bible still goes beyond that. It says you need to do it with a group of people. There's biblical evidence all backing all this up. I'll try to lead you down that journey. But the second week of October, we're looking to ask every person here to consider getting committed to a small group. For eight to ten weeks, we'll wrap up before the Christmas holidays. So for eight to ten meetings, you'll get together in a small group with someone else at a home or in church or wherever. But I'm going to take you somewhere better. I'm going to go against all of the principles of church development and church strategic growth and all that. And I'm going to throw all that crap out the door if I can to just be real honest with you and just say, look, um, I'm going to ask you to do something that we're told not to ask you in church. Uh, and that's to make a one-year commitment. <laughs> I know I just said six to eight weeks in a small group yet, but we're leading up to in November. I'm going to take us on a journey that I feel God's calling us to go on that will be you committing to something for one year. And that's scary because we're all, you know, people can't commit that long. That's too extensive. And, and it's true. It's, it's not the norm to do this. But this is the culture that we in the American church have created for the American people. People, because we want it to be convenient and as easy as possible as we can to, to get people to serve in church. So we can cover all of our overhead and all that nonsense. 
but let's get outside of all this box, okay? And let's just cut to the chase and be real about the journey that we want to go on. The journey is scary. It will cost you. It will cost you, as Pastor Keith said last week. And so in November, I, I want us to go there. And there's about five principles that I want to share with you on that. And we're going to, for a year, I feel like God's given us a theme starting out in 2020 for a whole year. But we're going to start a little bit early because I'm, I'm ready to go. I hope you are too. And we're going to kind of set the groundwork for a theme for the whole year of where God's bringing us to this radical faith journey. And it's going to be scary. It scares me. It's going to scare you. And the reality is some are going to, like I said, say, ah, I'm not sure I'm ready for that. But this is all part of what God's been doing in my spirit as I was away. And, and through, through, I think I told you, I can't remember what I said in first service, but uh, it's a book I started that I put down and then I picked up. And it was incredibly convicting. Um, as the Bible is convicting, but also seeing what we saw there um, really has do is doing something in me. But Jesus calls people to give up everything to follow him. All. Do you really believe that following Christ is worthy of abandoning all other pursuits and possessions? You have to answer that question. Do you really believe that following Jesus is worth you abandoning all of your other pursuits and possessions? If that's what it takes. That's a hard question. Don't, don't answer that flippantly or quickly. You have to process that. Valuing Jesus above all else is the beginning of a faithful relationship. And this is not just for super Christians. This is where Christ's invitation to followers began in the Bible. Do we believe that Jesus is so good? <clears throat> Do we believe that he is so good and so satisfying and so rewarding that we're willing to surrender all that we have and all that we are to find our, our fulfillment, our fullness in him. Because I'll tell you, we've tried everything else in the American world to satisfy the, the Christian church. Lights, camera, action, music, fancy this, fancy that, putting on the best show we can, when, when the reality is none of that equates with the cost of discipleship, followership. The cost of following Christ is great, but the cost of not following him is even greater. Who truly pays the price when we fail to take the gospel seriously? Who pays the price? Jesus said it this way. He said, Craig, you fill in your name. I want you to run towards danger. Go toward danger. Not away from it. Imagine the faces of his early disciples when Jesus said, I'm sending you out like sheep among the wolves. Sheep are among the most helpless of any domesticated animal. Even a, even a harmless noise can spook a sheep into a frenzy and when they face danger, they have absolutely no defensive mechanism. All they can do is run and unfortunately even running they're terrible at because they're slow. That's the truth. So the dumbest thing sheep can do is wander into a pack of wolves. But why does Jesus use that analogy? Why in the world would the good shepherd, talked about in John 10, and even in Hebrews, he says he's the great shepherd, Hebrews 13. <clears throat> why would he tell his sheep to go hang out with the wolves? I'm sending you out. Jesus was saying to his disciples then, and by implication to you and me now, I am sending you to dangerous places. 
where you will find yourself in the middle of evil, vicious people. And you'll be there by design. Jesus told them, go to great danger and let it be said of you what people would say of sheep wandering into the middle of wolves. They're crazy. They're clueless. They have no idea what kind of danger they're getting into. This is what it means to be my disciple. So I share this to say, and I'm going a little bit of a different track than I went first service, so if you want to see that, maybe we can put them both online. I don't know if we taped them both. But God's calling us into dangerous places. I know of people in this church who have already started this journey. I know of people in this church who felt like God was telling them to leave your job and step away from your job and all the securities and the comforts of your place to live, the security of what a job career means. And, and not just little, you know, not like they were just McDonald's jobs. These were like career jobs. And Jesus said, leave it. And they said, I don't know what I'm going to do. And Jesus said, leave it anyway. And they've left it. That's a scary place to be. Would you agree? That's dumb. That's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. That's what my friends told me when I left that a few years back, about 14 years ago. Well, leave. You got no place to go. You got no job. You got no insurance. You got a family. What are you thinking? You can't do that. It's dangerous. It's crazy. It's scary. But that type of radical step of obedience is where God is leading and calling us to as a church. And so I want you to begin to pray and I want you to begin to even pray and fast and prepare yourself now just like we should be prepared when we come into the sanctuary. We should, we should get prepared. We're coming into a meeting with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we come in often with an irreverent spirit and attitude about entering into God's presence. And I, don't, I, I hope that you understand my heart. I'm not, I hope I'm not coming across as angry and all that. I, my heart is broken for the church, for you, for us. I love you. I love his church. And I, I have to speak the truth in love. But we should be prepared. So prepare yourself now. Begin to pray. Begin to fast. That means give up food. Not to go on a diet. But to say God I want to prepare my spirit for what you want to say to me. So that I'm ready. Because it will be the most dangerous journey I've ever asked anyone to go on. That I'm asking you to come on with me. And it will be scary. And some of you would say and I'd rather check out. No thanks. And some will, but some won't. And those that won't, those that won't, and we're going to go through a journey together, will discover incredible fulfillment and amazing joy in following Christ and being used for his kingdom purposes and for his glory. So prepare yourself, if you would now. God, I'm willing to follow you <clears throat> in blind obedience. You know, we don't think like this. <clears throat> Excuse me, we don't say things such as um, the safest place to be is, is in the center of God's will. Now, that's what we say, right? We think of it, <clears throat> if something's dangerous, it's probably, it's probably God must not be in it. Or, <laughs> I've seen people take these incredibly radical steps of faith and then in our mind, we're like, oh, no, that's okay, don't worry. It'll all be no problem. It'll all be easy street because you stepped out in radical faith. That's just not the case. That's not the reality. But we've lied to you in the church. 
The American church has said, just step out in faith and just go and it'll all be, it'll just be okay. It's not always gonna be okay. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna be dangerous. It'll cost you something. Maybe even relationships with people that you love. Even in the church who say, well, that's okay, but you're a little bit extreme and a little radical. I'm not sure that that's really what I, I'm ready for. So this is scary. So that's why I said, please prepare yourself. Get ready. Because it's an exciting journey, but it's a scary one. But there's nothing, nothing better than it. And, and, and I don't think, and I've been... I've been in ministry with my wife really for 26 years. I've been a lead pastor for um, 14 years. I remember taking our teenagers down a radical journey like this. And teenagers are kind of like, man, they're like, yeah, let's do it. We don't care. We're teenagers. Got nothing to lose. They were a little bit easier. Adults, we got a lot more to lose, don't we? So I don't think in in my years of being here that I've ever really asked the church for a one-year commitment like what I'm going to be asking you to consider going on about praying, about serving, about giving, about going. We think if it's dangerous, maybe God's not in it. If it's risky, if it's unsafe, if it's costly, it certainly can't be God. But what if those factors that I just mentioned are actually the criteria by which we determine something is God's will? If it's dangerous, if it's risky, if it's unsafe, if it scares the mess out of you, you know what, that's probably God's will. When we left our home in Denver, Colorado 14 years ago, and we had four children, a foster child and a pregnant wife, uh, and I've shared this story, I'm not saying this boastfully, but I'm saying it's the scariest step that we had ever taken as a married couple. And it was a step to leave the comfort of job security, of insurance, of a good salary, to say, God, we don't know what we're leaving to. We had no job to go to, but it was time to go and we left. It's the scariest thing that we'd ever done and the best thing that we'd ever done. And was it hard? Yeah. But was it amazing? Absolutely. God's led us down a journey, so I don't think I'm asking you to go someplace that I've not gone, but we're revisiting the danger zone, if you will. What if we begin to look at the design of God as the most dangerous option before us? What if the center of God's will is, is in reality the most unsafe place for us to be? <laughs> so, we're about to embark on a dangerous journey, a journey to discover what it really means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And we're going to need each other like never before. And this is where it comes down to... Um, if you're willing to count the cost and take back your faith from the American dream, I'm going to invite you to come on a journey together. You're not going to go it alone, but we're going to do it together. As Christians, I believe it's time for us to wake up from the, uh, and trade in the false values rooted in the American dream and embrace the notion that each of us is blessed by God for a global purpose that's bigger than you and me. We sit here as a very blessed church. But we need each other and we need to be connected relationally with others who are willing to embark on the same journey. And like I said, it's not going to be an easy one. 
But it'll be well worth taking. It'll be well worth taking, and I guarantee that. I absolutely guarantee that. So next week, and probably for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be trying to set the table for us. And I would ask you to be committed to being here. Don't miss it, because it's going to be important. Your faithful regular attendance is important, but we're going to need each other. And so starting somewhere around the second week of October, we're looking to launch and embark on, on new life, a new life groups. Um, I'll be leading one with a few people. Uh, actually, we're starting a new partners class this Wednesday night. I think if we tell it all the dates right, that would be like one week behind. I can't remember PZ. But anyway, the, the groups starting in, in October, we, we need, there are some of you, stay with me here and give me your, give me your eyeballs. You listen with your ears, you pay attention with your eyes. Look at me. I know it's not pretty. There are some of you in this room that are qualified and competent and called and ready and should be leading a small group. And there are some of you in this room that should be hosting a small group. And some of you, very much like me, can say, I'm just too busy for that. I got it. That's the American culture that we live in. But I'm asking you to make time for that. That's going to be a sacrifice. Just like staying in the church. Oh dear Lord. I don't know if we're going to go to heaven because it's almost 12 o'clock. I just realized the clock is bad. <clears throat> I think that's fast, isn't it? Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm asking you to, to make a... Yeah, this is just where we're at, church. We've got to put that stuff aside, honestly. And I'm going to tell you a story. Um, did I share the story about South Korea today in this service? They all run together. I'm so sorry. It's hard. Two services is not right. We need to, anyway. So there's a man, this is a true story. He was in South Korea on a business meeting. There's a Christian man and he woke up at 4.30 in the morning to a roar outside of his window. Two blocks away, there was a football stadium. The lights were on and the roar was so loud in the stadium that it awoke him at 4.30 in the morning. He got up and he went down to the clerk at the front desk. This is not a made-up story. This is a true story. And he said, what kind of sporting events do you crazy people do at 4.30 in the morning? And he said, sir, that's no sporting event. That's a prayer meeting. And there's some 80,000 people gathered in an arena praying the fire of God down in South Korea. And they've been in a revival for the last 10 years, a revival of souls coming to the kingdom. We in America will will be at our football stadiums this weekend screaming our guts out completely in you know, utter abandonment for our teams. And I'm not against football, okay? I'm not against it. But why can't we give that same type of passion and call and commitment to following Christ in a prayer meeting? And when we can't get eight people out to a prayer meeting because it's eight o'clock at night and it's late, and it's, we got a problem. And, and when, we get, when we get all bent out of shape because church went for an hour and a half instead of an hour and 15 minutes, we've got a problem. We've got to put some of that aside, guys, to go where God's leading us, all right? So, the, the, uh, the small groups, we're going to be doing one. They're going to wrap up before Christmas. We need some of you to say, I'll be a leader. I'll be a host. We want to get two couples to work together. One facilitator and one be a host. Work together. Because we've got a problem too in small groups where some groups get together and they don't, they don't multiply. And this is next week's sermon. I'll get more into this. But we need to be able to multiply and reproduce because there's a lot of people in here that want to be in a small group and there's no group for them. Because small groups are really 10 or 12 people. To get beyond that, they're not small anymore. You groups that are there, you need to multiply and reproduce and add. Why? Because this is not about you. It's about the kingdom of God. 
It's about bringing more in so more people can be discipled so we can reach more people with the gospel message of Jesus right here in Waterville and all around the world. All the way to the Bahamas. And when we become strong like that, the light that shines the furthest shines the brightest at home. So our light needs to be shining at home. We need to get into fellowship in our small groups. But they're, they're going to go beyond fellowship. They're going to go into getting deeper into the word of God. Because otherwise, just go to bingo on Tuesday night and you'll be fine, right? But we're going to get into the word of God. We're going to pray together. We're going to bear one another's burdens. And we're going to get into this truth of the gospel. And this is what I'm going to challenge you for the year. Oh, I'm going to let one of the cats out of the bag right now. We're going to go through the Bible in a year next year, starting in the beginning of the year. Some of you have never read the whole Bible. I'm going to give you a very easy Bible, not easy, but it'll cost you something, Bible plan to read through the scriptures in the year. This is what changes us. These are the kind of things I'm talking about, but we have so made... Um, Christendom comfortable and convenient in the American culture, and we're missing it, guys. So I'm going to ask you to pray and consider getting committed into a small group. Getting connected where you can relationally bear one another's burdens. If you're not in one and you'd like to be in one, you can go to our website, centerpointme.org. Fill out the form right on Life Groups. You can stop at the information desk today. Fill your name out. But I'm asking some of you to not leave this place without coming to see me or Zach and say, hey, PZ or Kevin, I want... I'm interested in helping to lead a group or host a group. We have a group of widows that meets here during the week. We have a men's group that's beginning a journey um, in, in about a, oh, two weeks. Uh, that's a small group. See, small groups are just small groups of people together on a journey. And we're going somewhere as a church. The men have been on a journey for a while. And that video that you just saw, I think it starts up not this week, but the following week. Uh, look in the bulletin. The dates are there. Sign up out back at the information desk as well so we know how, books to order and all that stuff. But listen, there's all kinds of little groups. You've got to get connected somewhere, committed to each other. And next week, I'm going to give you, we're going to begin on the five priorities and the principles that we're going to be dissecting over the next coming weeks and months. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? There's so much in my head that I'd like to share in my heart that I'd like to share with you that there's not time for today, but... I also don't want to overstuff you with too much. <laughs> so I want you to process what I've shared with you today. And I don't, I don't want you to leave here. Please don't leave here and slip back into, oh, just business as usual. God's calling us someplace deeper. Every single one of you are not here by chance. We had the kids in here, even our children. I want, them to, I want them to see a life of radical abandonment to Christ lived out in their parents, in their grandparents, in their leaders, in their church leaders. And realize, you know, it's not about how much you can amass in, in wealth and riches here that makes you successful. It's, it's how much you can give away. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I want to get more so I can give more. I want more of Jesus so I can give more of him away. And I can tell you story after story of how God's richly blessing remnants across America, small remnants of people and churches. I can also tell you this, the church in America is going through a sifting right now. <laughs> there's a lot that's being pruned and clipped and there's a lot of people leaving churches um, for whatever reason. They don't like the worship. They don't like uh, the preaching. They don't, you know, whatever it is. 
But there's a pruning and a sifting going on. And there's a scripture that says that in the last days many will stand before him and they'll cry out, Lord, Lord, and he'll say to them, depart from me for I never knew you. And they will say, but God, I know all about you. I've been to church all my life. It's not about going to church. It's not. It's so much more. And I want us to discover what that is together. And I hope that you'll say, let's go on this journey together, Pastor. I'm with you. Uh, I'm ready. Scared? Yes. Will there be a cost? Yes. But God's taking us someplace new. So don't leave here today and just switch gears. Okay, yep, just church as usual. Throw that out the door. Let's start fresh. God's bringing us someplace new. Amen. God, we love you. We thank you for your love, for your amazing grace. I thank you for every man and woman and young person in this building this morning, whether here or in the nursery, in the quiet room, wherever they might be, that you brought here for today to hear this challenge and this charge to get ready. And Lord, I pray the coming weeks and months and year, you would absolutely radically transform our lives as individuals, this community of faith believers known as Centerpoint. Lord, and even into our community beyond this church, known as Waterville and beyond, that you would use us to reach them. For we recognize that is the purpose of the church, that we exist to reach those who are not yet here. Lord, I pray for needs that are represented in this place, that we would begin to see the miraculous, supernatural healing of God poured out in this place. I lift up those that are struggling physically, have illness, sickness, infirmity, disease, and in Jesus' name, I pray that you just bring healing and wholeness to people's bodies. I thank you that you are the great physician, that you said by your stripes we are healed. Lord, we stand upon the promise of your word. I pray for divine healings. Pray for those that financially are upside down and broken and a mess that you would help them to make better choices and that you would bless them so that they can bless others. That our hearts would be made right. I pray for those that are in relational crises, marriages or friends or family or parents or children, whatever it is, that you'd bring healing and restoration to your people, Lord. Thank you, God, that you... You said in your word that your eyes run to and fro the earth looking for those that you can pour out your blessing upon so that we can be a blessing to others. Lord, may we position ourselves in a place to receive that blessing. And, and God, we today repent and confess of our sin that has distanced us from you and has kept us from being in that place to receive your blessing. God, forgive us and help us to make our hearts right. Help us to, to not be so deceived by the American dream that we miss out on what it means to really be a radical, faith-believing, God-fearing man or woman of God. God, lead us and direct us, I pray, by your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I hope to see you next week. Come back ready.